everybody coming in and uh, coming in. This is uh, my my buddy Nick. I've known Nick for maybe a year and a half now, maybe two years. Has it been? Has it been that long? I don't know. It's been right. no. It's been over two years because that's when I live in Atlanta. I've already lived in California for a year and a half. So it's been it's been over two years. I've known Nick. Um, Nick is he came from the wholesale space. Um, he's uh, learned a lot of creative finance and a lot of different strategies from there. But uh, he actually left all that behind and he does uh, Airbnb. So uh, we'll probably cover that a little bit on another call. But I think this one can kind of give like a, a brief description of what he does. And then we'll kind of go into creative finance because Nick is very good at creative finance as well, too. So he's, he's going to kind of go into his strategy of why he's going to Airbnb and how he's going to use creative finance as well. And then we'll kind of go over some uh, number stuff later on. But you can go ahead and go, Nick. All right. So um, to start, um, born and raised in Chicago, um, when it comes to wholesaling, how I got started out, um, I had kind of like an unfair advantage. I'm going to keep it real. Um, I actually worked for, like I just said a couple of minutes ago, I worked for U.S. Bank. I actually worked in their mortgage division. And I had access to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pre-foreclosures, which means that before you guys even see it in the county records or anything like that, when a person is like 90 days behind or something like that, before we send a notice, like I had that information. I had access to all of that. Uh, if it was a bankruptcy, if it was a um, divorce, like all of those records, I had access to all of that. And I didn't realize that I was sitting on like millions, millions of dollars worth of information um, until I met a guy who actually had my name, Nick, in Minnesota when I worked at US Bank at the headquarters. And he's like, dude, we can make so much money. This was May of 2018. And um, what I did, I'm just going to keep it real because I don't work for the company anymore. So what are you going to do? Um, I would access those records and I would download those records because it was not illegal. It was only against company policy. And the thing is, policy is not law. So I would download those records. I would take them outside and give them to my partner. And we would call on all of those properties or those property owners. And between May of 2018 to, I think it was October of 2018, only a few months, I ended up doing about 19 deals because of that. And I made so much money at that company, um, or I made so much money from wholesaling that I put in a notice and I told the bank that I was going to leave them, which is probably one of the dumbest decisions I ever made in my life because I pretty much knocked out my lead source. So, um, you know, even though I, I made a lot of money and I'm still going good, I'm still going good right now. Um, that was my entrance into wholesaling. Um, wholesaling itself, I absolutely love it, but I'm, almost, I'm actually into, you know, mainly Airbnb, which you said, we, that'll get talked about later. But creative financing, I absolutely love. Like, I absolutely love it. Um, mainly because I was telling him before everybody hopped on, like I have a property here in Chicago um, that I've actually been in for two years, for two years, um, haven't paid a mortgage, haven't paid a, uh, a rent payment or anything on this property. 
Um, and I'm actually going to end up selling this property and probably make between like 60 to $90,000 on this property. And that's a, such a, such a wide range because it depends on the borrower, but it cost me absolutely nothing to acquire this property simply because I put up a post on Facebook talking about tacos. And he, that's how Daniel and other people know me is the guy like on my Instagram is tacos and uh, titles and tacos. Cause all that's all I talk about is real estate and tacos. That's it. And this woman ended up hitting me up and saying, Hey, I have this property. Um, I want to get rid of it. You know, I can't afford the mortgage anymore. And here's the crazy part about it. The mortgage was only $407 a month. Um, crazy nuts. But she said she couldn't afford it anymore. And I'm like, okay, I can take it over. She's like, I owe about, you know, $10,000 on a mortgage simply because my cousin um, lived in the property and they weren't paying any rent on the property for a whole year. And I'm like, first off, I'm going to keep it real with you because like I knew her personally because we went to school together. I'm like, first off, that was stupid. I would never, ever rent to my family members. I would never, ever rent to a friend simply because they have this entitled mindset that because they know you, um, that, you know, they should live free off of you. And I don't believe in that at all. So um, I told her, I'll take over your property. And I was actually able to help her get into a program here in Illinois. If you are in Illinois, or if anybody views this near Illinois, um, there's a program called the um, Illinois Hardest Hit Program. The Illinois Hardest Hit Program, what they will do is that they will pay your back old mortgage amount and then they will pay the mortgage up for an entire year. So I helped her to get into that program. So even though I'm, I'm getting ready to take over the property, I'm still helping her actually get rid of this back old mortgage amount. And we're going to pay this mortgage up for an entire year or the state is. And then all of a sudden, once that program was coming to an end, we're in the middle of COVID because I've only been here for two years. We're in the middle of COVID. And guess what happened with COVID? Mortgages were basically delayed. So you didn't have to pay a mortgage until the pandemic was over with. So the entire time, I'm not paying anything on this property, anything. The only thing I'm doing is collecting because I have somebody in one of the rooms and I'm just basically collecting money based on that. So that's that was like a creative finance deal that like was probably the best one I've ever had um, in this property because I've been sitting on it, you know, for a couple of years because we're right now in the middle of a hot market. It actually gained over $100,000 in equity just within a year because a property across the street from me just sold for like, 249, even though the average property normally sells for about $160,000. So this property, I got it for like $95,000, which is the amount that she owed on the mortgage. Um, I'm going to end up selling it for like 200, 210, um, minus, you know, all the fees and, you know, realtors fees and stuff like that or whatever. And I'm going to make a stupid amount of money off this property. And it cost me $0 to actually do all of this. Zero. So um, I always tell people like getting like talk about properties and talk about real estate, no matter where you go, um, especially like, for instance, when it comes to my Airbnb business where, you know, my company got featured in the Wall Street Journal 
and I was showing um, Daniel my uh, my plaque <laughs> where my company got featured in a Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, it's because we talked about my company everywhere I go, and a majority of my drivers um, are all basically Uber and Lyft drivers because they drive all day anyway. They're making money from driving. So why not recruit them to basically take pictures of properties as they're driving by? And if you close on a property, you can pay them a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks for each property. And I end up recruiting like 400 plus drivers because of that. I actually went to a Lyft hub in Atlanta and told all these guys like, hey, if you guys want to make some extra money, you know, just basically download this app, you know, which is Deal Machine. Um, and I'll pay you if you, you know, if we close on this property. So um, that's basically uh, the gist of everything. There's a lot more, but I'll let Daniel speak because I don't want to talk too much. Hey, uh, Corey has a question. Go ahead, Corey. Go ahead. Hey, good afternoon, fellas. I, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I came in just a few minutes late and I, I caught the, uh, the middle of the conversation, Nick, when you were saying that um, you worked at, at a, I, I believe it was a bank. Yeah. Okay, uh, I was just wondering what what uh, what was the title? What was your position? Because I got I got some friends that are branch managers and, and things like that. So I was just trying to see how I could leverage that um, that information. Was it were you in a specific uh, area of the bank, or, or is that is that information privy to to anyone? Yeah. So I had multiple um, I had multiple positions at the bank. So I got like promoted a few times, and then I was working on certain committees. Um, I started off as an appraisal coordinator. An appraisal coordinator is basically the person who talks to appraisers and that talks to loan officers. Right. So your job is basically in the middle and you still get access to like mortgages and stuff like that because the majority of like appraisals that you get coming in are either from foreclosures, people basically refining purchases, you know, different stuff. Like anytime there's a transaction that's going to happen on the house, there has to be an appraisal. Right. So that's one of the things. And I end up basically going up to a, um, a compliance manager. And the compliance manager is basically a person who overlooks um, like mortgages, like the mortgage department, lending department, stuff like that or whatever. Our job is to make sure that you're doing everything that's in line with the law. So like when it comes to um, like, what is it called? Oh, what's that law? Uh, I forgot the name of the law because I've been out of banking since, you know, 2018. So I forgot um, what it's called. But when it comes to lending, there's certain things that you can do and that you can't do. And right. that's what I had to um, deal with when I was at the bank. But like underwriting guidelines. and things It wasn't like underwriting. It wasn't underwriting. No, I was over underwriters. I was over underwriters, but um, it's completely different because um, when you're dealing with compliance, it's basically, hey, are you doing your job? <laughs> that's yeah. pretty much that's pretty much it so okay so basically i would need to ask them if they have a, a relationship with a compliance manager <laughs> um not even that though if you say they're a branch manager ask them if they have access to um people that are either actually if they're a branch manager ask them if they have any um connections to like mortgages and stuff like that if they deal with lend it's matter, matter of fact lending if they have okay. any access to lending 
then that means they have access to a lot of information that deals with, you know, like foreclosures and stuff like that. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Thanks. Hey, hey Nick, I got a question real quick. How are you doing? This is Wayne. What's going on, man? Hey, um, I actually have a connection that works for that same bank. She's she's actually an auditor. Would she be privy to that type of information as well? You said a US bank? Yes. What location is she in? Um, she's remote. Um, she's she's from uh like uh Midwest uh Missouri area. Okay, because I know we do have like a large presence in St. Louis. Um, not we. I'm talking like I'm still at the damn bank. Uh, <laughs> um, she's an if she's an auditor, she probably doesn't. Mainly because she deals with accounts. So like if there's fraud or anything like that on an account or something like that, that's what she deals with. She probably doesn't. But what she could do because St. Louis actually does have what we call an an employee resource group. An employee resource group is basically where different people from parts of the bank come together and they basically have like events, they support companies and stuff like that outside of the bank. And what you can do is attend one of those events because normally there's going to be somebody from the lending division at that event. And um, they have access to all of the information that I had access to. And if you talk to them on the side and you don't come to them like, you know, some sneaky type stuff or whatever, but you kind of build a relationship with them, um, you can actually get in contact with them and, you know, talk to them about, you know, the business and let them know that, hey, I'm an investor. Do you normally come across foreclosures and stuff like that or whatever? And if they do, you know, they'll, they'll be more than open to actually give you that information. Great, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. No problem. So uh, I think one of the big things that, uh, going back to what Nick said, is that a lot of people, you need you need to tell everybody what you do and what you're doing. Yes. Because there's leads out there that are literally lay down referrals just based off of you telling people what you do. And it's so important to tell people, like you said, he got he got this creative finance deal just by making a, a post on Facebook, and it was a it was a family, it was a friend, right? Yep, it was a friend. And the crazy part is, here's what's so crazy though. So a lot of people think that, oh my God, I need to find like a bunch of financing and stuff like that. Now I'm gonna keep it real. I'm going to keep it real. Some people may not like what I'm about to say, but I'm this is just how it is. Being a black person, especially in Chicago, you don't have access to capital and, you know, money sources and stuff like that. So you got to get real creative. You got to get real creative, but you got to talk about everything that you do. And it just so happens that I was at one of my properties just the other day and I was outside and one of the neighbors was outside working on one of his properties. And I'm just complaining about all the fireworks. If you live in a community that's urban or anything like that, you hear freaking fireworks all freaking night. And I started talking to him about it. And I'm like, I can't wait to sell this house. And we started talking about real estate. And he's like, what are you trying to do to it? So I started telling him. And he's like, what, really? And the thing is, he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm an investor and I do this and that, this and that, this and that. 
And he's like, yeah, I've been trying to get into that. And I'm like, really? I'm like, man, I can show you. I can show you how to get into this. He's like, man, if you can show me how to do what you do, I will help you rehab that property for free. That's what he told me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So he's going to help me rehab that property. And normally what I would basically my course that I had that I got rid of some months ago um, that I sold to people for like a few hundred bucks, you know, he's going to rehab one of my properties for like several thousand dollars. And all I got to do is buy the materials, which is going to cost me a lot at all. He's willing to do that. And I can sell this property and make money from it. So I'm telling people like everywhere you go, find a way to talk about what you do. Guaranteed, you never know who you're going to run into. You never know. So just talk about what you do everywhere you go. Like find a way. Somebody could be like, hey, good morning. Like, you know what? Good morning. I'm telling you, it is a good morning. You know why? Because my grass is growing. I'm so glad my investment property is making it. Just find a way. Just be, just find a way. Find a way because people are going to ask questions. And the more they ask questions, the more information you give them. And the more likely you're going to run into somebody that, you know, could be a really good connection. So. No, that's definitely, that's definitely powerful too, because that's one thing I, unapolog I unapologetically post everything hive mind. And my wife's like, you post so much hive mind stuff. I'm like, it's not for you. <laughs> So, and like, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get flack from your family and friends and everybody like yeah. that. But people, people that pay attention and people that you don't want, that you don't want paying attention, they'll come around like, Hey, what is this? What, what are you doing? What exactly are you doing? Or it just, it just goes around that way. And you always tell people exactly what you do and how you do it. So, and that's what, that's what I do now. I literally, I, I have, a, I want a software business to help solve businesses. Boom. Drop it. <laughs> So it's, def it's definitely a hack. Um, can you kind of get brush over the service? Uh, we're going to brush this slightly, but I think we have to do another call with you about your directly Airbnb business. Mm -hmm. But can you cover, like, in a nutshell, like how many Airbnbs you're, you're managing, how you acquired these Airbnbs, and what's your future strategy to get more Airbnbs? Oh, God. <laughs> just, just brief. Okay, so first question is, how many Airbnbs are you managing? So right now I'm managing roughly, and I had to, after our phone call, I had to actually go in and look because I stopped counting, but I'm managing about 62 Airbnb rentals. Um, my goal is to ultimately manage at least, I would say 150 with about a year and a half. Um, how I got into managing Airbnb rentals. The crazy part is I got I always have stories for everything. I always have stories because stories that that is the best thing ever. So um back in January of 2019, um one of my friends down in Atlanta, his mom actually owned a six bedroom, six bath house. It's about seven thousand square feet and um it's a suburb of Atlanta. I forgot the name of Fairburn, Fairburn, uh, Georgia. And she told me that um, because she was in the military, she has pins all over her body. She had injuries and stuff like that. It's a three-level house. And she was like, I can't keep going up and down the stairs. So she actually rented an apartment um, and didn't live in the house. And I'm like, what are you doing with it? She's like, I'm just paying the mortgage on it. 
And I'm like, well, you could be making money off of this house. So, you know, why don't you try something like Airbnb? And she's like, well, I don't have time to manage it. And I'm like, okay, I'll manage it for you. Now, it just so happened, it just so happened that next month was the Super Bowl. And I looked online at all of the listings for the Super Bowl, and you could look at downtown Atlanta and stuff like that. People had their apartments on um, on Airbnb for like $5,000 a night. And I'm thinking, holy crap. So I'm thinking, if I put this property on Airbnb, um, it's not going to cost me anything to acquire or anything like that or whatever, because this is my friend's mom. She's like, you know, if you're really close, that's like your mom too. And I'm like, I can put this thing on Airbnb, but I'm, you know, we're like 40 minutes outside of the city. So what I'll do is I'll put it on Airbnb for like $2,500 a night. Then I'll add an extra to attract people to the property and put like, hey, we'll provide a free car service from the property to downtown. Now, when it comes to Uber, that was like a 30 or 40, you know, $40 car ride. If you're paying me $2,500 a night, that 30 or $40 is nothing. So, um, and the good thing about Airbnb is that they pay you out the next day. So you don't have to worry, worry about waiting until the end of that stay to get your money. They literally pay you for the entire stay. So a person ended up booking that property for five days, which ended out to over $10,000 just for a week. And I got paid the next day after they booked. So like, as far as like any expenses or anything like that or whatever, all of that got taken care of. So I'm thinking later on that year, I'm like, wait a minute, I did that. Imagine if I could scale that up and do that for multiple properties. And I ended up doing that. I started out doing what we call rental arbitrage. Rental arbitrage is basically where you go to a landlord and you say, I'll pay your rent um, if you allow me to basically rent this out on Airbnb. Um, now, I really don't encourage a lot of people to do that because guess what happened last year? We had the, um, the pandemic and like 30% of our revenue got cut simply because of the pandemic. Um, but what I was able to do, because half of my family is in the medical industry, I got in contact with like a lot of medical companies, um, like uh, hospitals or uh, nursing staffing companies, because nurses, normally they travel to different, com uh, co uh, not countries, um, states, and they stay for no less than 30 days, and they pay a lot more than what the rent actually is. So I was able to fill a lot of my units because of that. So I kind of came out um, ahead of most people. But that's one of the things that I started doing. And, you know, I post online like Craigslist or whatever, my ads and stuff like that. And a lot of the people come to me, Dan, you actually experienced that. And um, we ended up doing a call that I recorded and um, it, it, you know, it was it was pretty sweet how the guy was basically willing to like just give up his property and let us um, take it over simply because like you know we're Airbnb or we're corporate um, corporate rentals. But one of the things I'm doing now is focusing on um, what do you call it? Um, not short term rentals, but um, specific uh, uh, financing to basically do like a uh, subject to. Because if I'm going to basically rent out your property, um, I want to get equity too. So uh, can you briefly, I know you you see you manage 62 properties. Uh, are you doing this? I know are you doing this, are you still doing this globally, like in other countries as well? Or? Actually, 
I'm going to be doing it in um, Jamaica and also Ghana. So Ghana is probably one of the fastest growing economies in the world right now. Like if you go there right now, like when people look at Africa, normally they think about, you know, they see those 2 a.m. commercials with kids with flies in their eyes and stuff like that. Um, but that's my actually my home country. Um, if you go to Ghana right now, Accra, which is the, um, the a capital city, if you go there right now, it looks like you're going to a city here in the U.S., like a major city. And you look at it and see all of these luxury apartments, these townhouses, these properties and stuff like that. The crazy part about it is that the cost of living is absolutely low compared to here in the U.S., like my house that I'm building there. It's a five bedroom, five bath house with a pool. It's going to be about, I think, like 3,500 square feet and this property is only going to cost me about $50,000 to build and it's near the ocean. So like compared to here in the U.S., like it's absolutely crazy that people are still focusing on here in the U.S. when you should be going global too. You definitely should be going global. Oh, sweet, sweet. Uh, okay, so you're doing, you're doing stuff globally. Um, now, how many properties do you own that you're managing? So I own currently about 10 that I'm managing. Okay. Uh, so Corey, you got a question? Increasing that when it comes to the, um, the subject too, I'm yeah. going to be increasing that over the next couple of years because I realize, you know, that's, you know, that long term. Um, that's where you want to be. Yeah. Exactly. Just managing is one thing. Getting that income from the managing is okay. But once you own stuff, like once you own and you have that equity, you have a lot, like a lot more power um, after that. And I wanted to say something. I know it's completely off topic. Um, Isi Bagayoko, I know he's, I know he's Nigerian. <laughs> I'm actually Mali and I'm from Mali. So, uh, oh, I was about close to say, to Ghana. I was looking at his name like Africans. Like Africans usually can pay attention to other Africans. So I just wanted to say that. But anyway, yeah, that, um, yeah, just owning. I'm just soaking it in, man. It's awesome, man. I'm it's fire right here for real. It's, it's a whole different ball game, man. Uh, Corey, you got a question? Go ahead. Yeah, um, Nick, I heard, heard you mention earlier about the uh, uh, Uber and Lyft um, hiring them out. And I, I had heard about that technique before, but as far as like, I guess the nuts and bolts of it, is, is, is that something that you, you said that you might have more information on that or? I think Nick's the one that pioneered that strategy, right? Say that? I think Nick's the one that pioneered that strategy with the Uber and Lyft drivers. Yeah, our, John, um, John had mentioned it to me, but uh, it, it was just, you know, just in, in, in passing or whatever, John John Alexander, but I was um, just trying to see, you know, you, you I, I thought you mentioned, I thought you said something about uh, you, you have more in-depth information about like how to do it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, literally just every single time, like here's the one thing is when I travel, I never rent a car. I never rent a car. Um, I always take Uber or Lyft. And the reason why is because that 10 or $15 Lyft or Uber ride, I'm going to immediately start a conversation with them. And I'm going to start talking about real estate. I'm going to start talking about real estate and I let them know 
like, oh yeah, this is what I do. And guys like you, you know, I basically, you know, I've worked with guys like you to basically, you know, find properties for me. You're like, I'll pay you guys like a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks just to, you know, find a property. And they're like, what? Are you serious? And literally every single right, I literally have a, if I pull up my phone right now, I have a platinum account with Uber simply because I ride with them so much because I talk about it, you know, and, and that's how I recruit them. Like that's easy money. Instead of basically going out there, trying to do it yourself, driving for dollars and, you know, just putting ads out. These people are already on the freaking road. They're already on the road. So what's the point of you going out there and doing it yourself when they're out there? They can take the pictures and everything for you. They can do it. Uh -huh. So yeah, um, I actually have an ad that I put out. Um, if I can find a link to it, I'll, I'll give it to Daniel to send out to you guys or whatever um, to recruit them. Because I actually had one that I put on Craigslist as well to recruit the drivers. So okay. can, I'll send it to you guys. Okay, that, thank you. Yeah, we'll post we'll post it in the group when he finds it. But um, uh, I work with I work with Nick when I was in Atlanta, which is about two a year and a half ago to two years ago. So the funny thing is we're we're acquiring. Uh, I I put out an ad that he literally gave me the template for, and you put it on on Craigslist, and then people just call you from there. So the same day though, like <laughs> yeah, I, I I literally I did it the same day, and I got like two I got like four calls the same day just from a Craigslist ad. So it's definitely definitely a unique strategy that it's it's highly unheard of and uh it's just it's just leveraging leveraging the information you know and expound upon it because when you learn wholesale you kind of learn marketing in general as a whole so when you start learning marketing you got to learn different techniques and just a simple thing as craigslist can get you leads like this so you mentioned uh nick that you wanted to go go ahead sharonda you're good sharonda's actually out of lawrenceville Hi. Uh, hey, I'm in Northeast Atlanta in Gwinnett. So I need to somehow get in touch with you. My cousin is a broker. He just came back from Ghana going to look for properties, but he didn't have a lot of success because he's going at it alone. So um, I told him, I was like, I'm into land. I don't do houses. I was like, and I just started a couple of years ago here. So internationally, I'm like, I don't know how that will work. Um, but he's now starting to look into land. And then for me, I have no problem whatsoever going back to the continent, especially to having, having properties, you know, for myself and then too, for my friends. Um, and then even for, you know, business purposes, I have a couple of friends that have, that have moved like to the islands. I have friends that are in Barbados and they are setting up homes in Barbados. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's just like all of the people that I know that have quote unquote made it have retired and now they're living out of the US. So if I had somebody who's already, you know, done it, you know, kind of, you know, I'd rather step in somebody else's footsteps than to, you know, step on a new landmine not having known where I've gone. So, you know, just want to stay in touch somehow. Okay, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give you my contact information. Here's the crazy part about Ghana. Um, in regards to Ghana, it's completely different. Once again, to a lot of people who have not been, you know, to the African continent. Um, in Ghana, when it comes to land, land means everything, not property. You're good. Thank you. <laughs> but when it comes to uh, Ghana, land means everything. Um, also, 
it's not like in the U.S., say, for instance, here in the U.S., if you don't pay your property taxes, the government can come and take your property. In Ghana, that's not possible. Once you own a property, it doesn't matter what happens. It stays with you and it passes down to your family for generations. So that's why most land and most property in Ghana is actually owned by families. It's not owned by the government. It's not owned by the government. So that's one thing I always tell people, like when you go overseas, it's completely different. America has like a completely different system than everybody else's. It's all basically, it all flows to government. The government pretty much controls everything, even though Ghana itself does have like, you know, a bunch of stuff that goes on in government. But when it comes to property rights, you know, homeowners or property owners, you have a lot more rights there. So if you buy land, you can do whatever you want. There's no permitting. There's none of that stuff. So like my property, like the land only cost about probably like two or $3,000. The $50,000 is basically for the materials, the foundation, the concrete and all that other stuff, because the land is super cheap where I'm actually buying it. Um, and I can pass that down to my son, to my daughter, my children's children, whoever else. And I don't have to worry about the government ever coming to take it. So definitely we can talk about that more. So um, the question I was gonna ask, appreciate that. The question I was gonna ask was, um, how are you planning on leveraging subject two in the future to acquire more properties since she says you only own 10 of the 60 you're managing? How are you, uh, what's your plans with marketing and finding those subject twos? So um, people, I tend to come across a lot of people, um, specifically wholesalers who have dead leads where they're like, oh, you know, I got this deal, you know, it's worth 250, you know, the homeowner wants 190 or whatever. And they just, there's no way that deal is gonna close. Um, Subject two, the good thing about subject two is that we can offer, you know, their asking price or even above that and close that deal because when it comes to Airbnb, say that homeowner wants, you know, $1,000 a month for their mortgage and then all of a sudden we run the numbers and we know that we can make $3,400 a month on that property. Uh, I'll take it. I don't care if they want asking price. If we can make $3,400 a month, uh, let's do it. Because for one, we can basically knock down that mortgage a lot quicker. Um, and the cash flow is a lot higher. So mainly, you know, just talking to, you know, wholesalers, people that, you know, have leads that they just can't close on. That's one of the ways that I plan on um, acquiring more properties. Sweet. Awesome, awesome. No, I think I think a lot of people they definitely overlook subject two, and there's definitely a lot of opportunity there. And we've seen from other people that are leveraging Airbnb and subject two to make huge amounts of cash flow. So yeah. people that people that want to make oh I want to make ten thousand a month cash flow, and they're trying to find it, figure out different ways how to do it. Airbnb is definitely a really good strategy, just to either acquire or even partner with the owner to start getting cash flow from that without actually doing anything. Yeah, here's the crazy part that a lot of people don't even know. Because for one, there's like 15 different ways to make money from real estate, but if not more. Um, when it comes to Airbnb, because that property is a short-term rental or is a corporate rental, 
that property can end up selling. If you actually own it, especially on a uh, subject to basis or you own it outright, you can actually profit more from that property if you sell it than if you were just to sell it on like, you know, for retail, if you actually rented it out on like say a, a tenant, you know, a landlord basis, because that property now is considered a business. It's not considered like, you know, what not, I wouldn't say just a business, but you know, for instance, so if they you, can know, sell, you can sell off a cap rate. Is that yeah, exactly. So if they know that this property is making $3,400 a month on an Airbnb basis versus $1,500 a month on just a regular rental basis, that actually increases the value of that property and you can sell it for a lot more. A lot of people don't even know that. I didn't, I didn't know. I, I thought it still went, I thought it still went off of, uh, the AR, ARV, whatever, whatever it is, is market value. No, I don't know. You can sell go, it, no, it goes, it goes off of that. Like I literally have a group that I'm a part of that people actually sell their rentals and it's for a lot more than what the ARV actually is. Wow. Okay. Cause it, it, the, the cap, I mean, cap rate and commercial is all based off of what people are willing to pay for it. So if you can, if you can show the cash flow and the actual cash that's bringing in monthly, that yeah. makes sense. You can sell it over ARV as long as yep. you show up the NOI. That makes sense because you don't want to undercut yourself on exactly. Pricing if you can sell it for more by showing the. That's interesting. I don't know that. I don't know. That's crazy. Um. That's a dope conversation. I don't even want to get off of it, but <laughs> I, I, I love the Airbnb strategy. And uh, so, somebody looking and in, getting into Airbnb, what's a way they can get more money or add-ins? I, I know the I know the answer. I know what you're going to say because we've talked previously before this uh, months ago. But what's something that you can do as a quick add-in to raise your prices to get a higher cash flow? One is amenities. So for instance, um, one of the things that I do that I actually didn't tell you is that I went up to Alibaba. Um, I swear by Alibaba. And I actually bought like a thousand um, portable chargers right here, portable chargers. This thing you can actually buy on Amazon for $10 from Alibaba. Guess how much this thing costs? $1.50. $1.50 on Alibaba. And I put one of these in each one of my units. And I have like a little pamphlet that I actually put on the bed. Um, you know, when my guests actually stay there, um, basically saying, hey, that charger is yours to keep because $1.50 is absolutely nothing. Like keep that, yeah. we know you're going to be out. One of the biggest challenges that people face or one of the biggest issues that people face when they're, you know, they're traveling is their phone always dying. And a lot of people don't have portable chargers. So I give them that portable charger. The portable charger lasts up to like three or four charges. So, you know, that's one of the things that I do. But also in your listing, one of the things that I tell people um, is basically using an app called Your Porter, Y-O-U-R-P-O-R-T-E-R, -E Your Porter. Um, basically does like 70 to 80% of the work for you where it automatically responds to guests and automatically leaves reviews. It does so much for you. And that accounts for 
um, you're standing with Airbnb where they'll take your property and they'll boost it to the top. So if you go on Airbnb, you put in a specific city and the first few, you know, few properties that you see are because they know how to work those algorithms. It's just like if you're on Facebook, Instagram or anything like that, you have to learn how to work those algorithms. And that app basically knows how to do that and it'll boost you to the top. Um, one of the other ways to actually increase your income is to basically um, add experiences. So experiences is if you know a local vendor, like for instance, I went to Puerto Rico um, and um, the condo owner basically had a, um, an experience where it was a jet ski rides and stuff like that. And what happens is if you have experiences which is outside of Airbnb, not outside of Airbnb, but it's outside of your listing. What will happen is, is a person is booking your property, Airbnb will say, okay, since you're going to this property, these are the things that you can do in this location. And they will put your experience down at the bottom. And like that jet ski ride was like 55 bucks or something like that. And he gets paid off of that. So now on top of me booking his Airbnb, I can actually book that, you know, that uh, jet ski ride and that's an extra 55 bucks or how much ever he's splitting it with, with that company or whatever, you know, he's making from that. So like, there's like a million different ways that you can make money from it is you got to get really creative. Yeah, I've, I've quick, seen- quick. Sorry I've about seen, that, go ahead. Yeah, I've seen people add like uh, murals or stuff like that or different paintings or artwork um, on like, on like walls so they can get pictures and stuff like that um so I, I there's definitely a lot of opportunity in being creative on that side go ahead uh frank uh yeah uh quick question on that uh like as far as those upsells and stuff like that is that stuff still charged uh through airbnb or vrbo and those various services or do you have a separate uh, website and form uh, where they go through uh, for those credit card processes? So there's actually multiple um, avenues. So with each channel that you use, they have their own separate charges like Airbnb is like 3%. Um, so you can use like VRBO, you can actually use your own direct website. Also your porter actually creates a website for you. So, um, you don't have to worry about going through Airbnb for that. And the good thing about it too is that if somebody books your place, it's going to block off everything, you know, excuse me, not everything, it's going to block off their property for every other um, every other site that you have. So if it's VR, if you're on VRBO, TripAdvisor, you know, all those other sites is going to block it off too. But also having your own direct website, you know, that basically increases, you know, your revenue simply because you're not sharing it with anybody else. But you're gonna have less bookings directly through your website simply because, you know, VRBO, TripAdvisor, um, Booking.com, Airbnb, they have a powerful um, marketing department. So, you know, that's just basically how it is. Well, yeah, I was more so talking about all the add-ons and stuff like that. How are you processing those charges? Like you were it's, just talking it's, it's about like, like with that, uh, you know, a jet ski service or whatever, you know, are you still charging that through Airbnb? Like, are they the only ones who are collecting that credit card in for the whole time? Or are you giving them a separate site once they're at your house to be able to reserve that stuff? Through? So that you're not fact, giving Air, Airbnb your money for that stuff also. As a matter of fact, I see what you're saying. Um, yes and no. 
So for the experiences, Airbnb and like the other sites, they do collect um, directly through their sites. But like for instance, for one of my properties here in Chicago, um, like a luxury property that I have in downtown Chicago, we offer car service. Um, we don't book that through Airbnb simply because a person may or may not want car service. So we actually book that directly. Um, so they contact us and we schedule that with the, um, the limo company or whatever, and that money comes directly to us. So we don't have to do that directly with like Airbnb or any of those other companies. Good question, good question. So- um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, how, are you, how are you leveraging, so you're using car services, you're using other added services as far as to make it a, a grander experience. Um, and the charger thing I think is brilliant. That's, that's brilliant. <laughs> the dollar fifty charger. The dollar fifty, man. That's it, man. That's definitely that's definitely brilliant. You've got my wheels turning on that. Is there anything else you do besides a charger using Alibaba? Um, I'm actually partnered with. See, everybody who actually logged out isn't going to actually um see this. I'm actually partnered with a company. Um, as a matter of fact, let me bring it up right now. It only costs me about. 30 something bucks a month. It's called Marketing Boost. And with Marketing Boost, what we do is we're able to offer um, people a free stay. And I think it's like 150 different locations all over the world, you know, for like barely nothing. The only thing they really got to pay for is like taxes and fees and also the flight. But as far as like their stay in the resort or the hotel, I'm able to offer that. So every time somebody stays in that property, I can basically um, send a coupon or not a coupon, a certificate, and I'll include it in that stay and they basically get that. And even if they're not staying in one of my properties, you know, once they fly to one of those other locations, that's completely fine, but they're getting that extra added value and they're going to tell other people, hey, you know, if you want to actually stay here, I mean, if you want to go to this uh, this location, stay at this place. And also one of the things that I include is um, on that, you know, that brochure is, hey, if you know somebody that wants to rent out their property on a short-term rental basis or for Airbnb, or if they want to sell their property, let us know. And we'll pay you a referral fee. A lot of people, like, I don't know anybody that does that in the short-term rental space. Nobody does that. And it's like, you constantly have people staying at your property. That's a constant source of leads, free leads, basically. They're paying you to stay at your property. So why not ask them, hey, do you know other people who are interested in doing this? So it's like, it's all about basically trying to find different ways to basically make money from um, that one avenue. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, you can even throw into is, uh, you know, anybody wants to sell their property, yeah. <laughs> not even just rent their property. So you can, you can go a lot of different avenues exactly. to generate leads that way off mm -hmm. a referral. That's powerful. That's definitely powerful. I mean, like I said, a lot of people overcomplicate real estate and real estate dealings, but I feel like if you get creative, a lot, there's a lot of opportunity everywhere. If you get creative and come up with new ideas and thinking outside the box. And it, it might, you might have, you create a whole new avenue of lead generation, just like you did with your bank job. 
Yeah, because three years ago I was an idiot, man. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't really like I knew about real estate, but like once I became a corporate banker and just working behind the scenes, I'm like, holy crap. Like I got to learn how the rich people, you know, stay rich. Like I learned exactly like exactly what they're doing. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Why am I done, you know, not doing this? So I got out there and I started taking risks. And I'm like, if I go broke, I'd rather go broke trying than basically yeah. broke not trying. It doesn't make any sense. So so um, we usually run these. I mean, we didn't even cover the creative finance. I guess we'll push that to another week. This is such a dope conversation. I don't want to I don't want to ruin your flow. But um, any, uh, we usually run these about an hour. Does anybody have any questions? I don't know how much I don't know how much time we have Nick for. But does anybody have any any questions about Airbnb? Uh, uh, Airbnb rentals, sub two, anything creative like that. I I got a quick question, Daniel. Um, but Nick, um, hey Nick, how you doing? Um, I I know you said that you was investing in um Ghana and Jamaica as well. Um, what parts of Jamaica? I'm from Jamaica, so I I understand the whole country. Um, I'm trying to figure out are you are you going towards the tourist areas like the North Coast or maybe like the grill area? Or are you like investing in the city like Kingston or Montego Bay? No, I'm not touching Kingston. No, absolutely not. It's actually going to be in the Trelawney area, near the coast. Okay, great. Like great. North, that's beautiful. Like the northwest coast or whatever. Yeah, that's beautiful land out there. Yep. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's still cheap. Like the land is still cheap, but it's still like a lot of luxury um, properties out there. So. Definitely Trelawney is like that area that I really want to get into because it's right in between like um, Mantigo Bay and then Ocho Rios. Exactly. Great, man. Much success. I wish you all the luck and, and, and you know, hope to see you soon. Bro. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, anybody else have any questions? Uh, we got a couple more minutes. Hey, um, hey, this is DeAndre. I just wanted to... um. Introduce Chantel. I'm not sure if she's spoken or not, but she's uh, new to the hive, and I think she's probably been listening in. Yep, I'm here. Thank you, DeAndre. I'm How you here, doing? and thank you for. Um, I'm good. How are you guys? Hey, yeah, but, hey, um, so um, so yeah, Chantel mm-hmm. is actually in the um, she came from the wholesale land one on one group. Um, you know where we focus primarily on info lots. Um, so um. You know, she was basically inspired by all the deals and the things I was doing. So I was using the hive. She jumped on board. Um, so she wants to learn more, um, learn how she can bring value, things of that nature, and also close more deals and things of that nature. So I'm um, happy to be a part of this community, Chantel. Yes, Chant- thank Chantel, you so much for Chantel. inviting Chantel, right? So like O or yeah. A. Yes, it's S-H-O-N. So you guys can call me Sean for short. I just normally go by Sean. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you, Chantel. Thanks, DeAndre. Appreciate that. Thank you. So um, I'm going to add uh, Nick's information about uh, to our resources tab. Um, he's literally the person I asked for Airbnb questions because he manages so many properties. He's dealt with probably a thousand issues. <laughs> Don't get my cell phone number. I'm not going to answer it. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, no, I, he's, he's dealt with the good, the bad, the ugly of Airbnb. I don't. I barely even answer the phone. No, I'm just playing. But uh, I don't. 
I've been on a break. I've been on a break for like the past few months. I've been traveling all over the world. So like I haven't been responding to anybody, like literally anybody. So I hate Danny when I'm like, you know what? I got to call him back. I got to call well, him. Today's the first time. It's kind of funny because we actually talked an hour before the call and I haven't spoken to Nick in like six months. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a surprise uh, surprise interaction. So I'm, re I'm really glad that we got to uh, get a couple minutes of his time because he's definitely like I said he's, he's been traveling a lot lately so and he's got he's a wealth of information and knowledge to Airbnb and real estate in general as well absolutely but, if y'all got deals you can't close I'm telling you if it's in a good area it might be Airbnb material so yeah There's and the, the one thing ways to make money from a property so definitely yeah. don't just go with one avenue that's it Having, having multiple exit strategies is definitely the key. Absolutely. Hi, yeah, this is Sean. I, I did have a, uh, Nick, I do want to get in contact with you because I, I've been thinking about doing Airbnb for my own property as well. Where's your property located? So, I'm in Atlanta. Oh, you in ATL, Charlotte. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the values where I live, they're pretty, you know, they're sticky, but, um, you know, I'm kind of ready to move on to a different part of town. And um, so I'm, I've been thinking about that as an option. So I would love to get in contact with you about that and just kind of pick your brain about, you know, maybe get some advice about what you think would be more beneficial to me. Are you in a perimeter or outside the perimeter? You know what? I'm new here, so I, I don't know. That's a I'm, Well, I mean, I think I'm considered, I think I'm considered Southwest Atlanta. So, and I mean, you know, you know when I bought over here, I really didn't know what I was doing or where I was buying. But, um, you know, a house down the street from me just sold for like 285. I paid like 200. So, you know, I do have some equity, but, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do, what my move is going to be. When it comes to Airbnb, equity don't even matter because you're making money regardless. Right. So the, the, the perimeter is the uh, freeway that circles Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, what is that? Um. 285. The one that go 285 that goes in the yeah. circle, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, not too far. Are you you're outside the perimeter, right? Yes. Okay. If you're close to it, I can guarantee you it's 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 you know, if you're inside or close to it, that's like stupid money. I live 30 minutes from the center and properties around me are going for like 1400 um over for a two-week stay so 2800 a month really yeah. i'm in gwinnett gwinnett is like so everybody's trying to get there for the school systems so people will pay top dollar just to be there are you serious yeah like it's ridiculous over here like my, oh, yeah, my I house that for realized, yeah, i just realized where you are so yeah that's that's a whole different area. If you keep going south, that's a whole different ball game right there. If you go Kylie Park, ain't nobody trying to stay there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Chantel, I would definitely reach out to uh, Nick. He can probably manage your property for you. That's literally that's what he does. He's, he manages sixty-two properties all over the globe. So that's what he does. So. Okay. Thank great. Thank you. No problem. Uh, Priscilla. Okay. So everybody being in my land business. Hey Nick, when's the next time you're gonna be in Ghana? 
I'm actually planning on going back probably in September, October. So not not Thanksgiving, huh? No. You know, <laughs> oh, look, what Thanksgiving? You sure you ain't going for Thanksgiving? We don't celebrate no day on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is there, every day the family comes over the house. But that's when everybody else that got a job is off. Oh well, I ain't got a job, so I don't know about all that. Well, what I'm trying to do is we have family there taking the whole trip during that week of Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, normally West, like normally West Africans go home around October, like between September and November of each year. So, we're diaspora. We're uh, diaspora, so we don't we don't have no family to go to technically. You are family. What are you talking about? Well, we we a bunch of cousins all intertwined exactly. <laughs> cousin you yeah. you see the tupac meme but uh <laughs> you still okay you still fail. all good all good thank you no problem i i, to, I told nick i want to go too so <laughs> i'm just letting y'all know it's a it's a culture shock though it's a culture shock especially when you get there and you go to the local markets like, especially if they know you're American, they're gonna try to rip you off. Like, I'm just keeping real with you. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how it is in most, in most countries. If, if they can tell you're an outsider, they, they are, the prices are automatically inflated. Yeah, I know. So that's why when I go there, I won't wear like any jewelry. I won't wear any like nice clothing. Like, I'm just gonna look regular and I'm talking my accent. And like, they gonna know, like they not gonna try to give me a um, higher price. So gotcha. that's just how it is. Gotcha. Okay. So um, the numbers call. I guess we'll move to another week. But uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, we'll put we'll put Nick's information. He might not give me his number to put out, but I'll at least put his email address. You can email him. He's not on Facebook. He's not on Instagram. I don't know if he's coming back, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't he know. He always ends up in Facebook jail. I have. I mean, I have profiles on both Facebook and Instagram. It's just I barely like I'm barely on it because like once you get to a certain point in your life in your life and you decide I just want to do what the heck I want to do. That's it. That's how it is. And that's the that's what I want to teach people is to get to a point to where you do what you want to do and not what others want you to do. Like social media is cool, but I don't need it to live my life. I don't need to post pictures when I travel and stuff like that. I don't need all that. I'd rather just live my life. So um, that's my goal is to help other people do, you know, other people do that too. Yep. And that, that's, like I said, that's one of the reasons I really brought him on because when it comes down to it, uh, Nick is a giver, just like a lot of the people here. So we really, uh, we aligned from that even when we first met a long time ago. So yeah, it was a no brainer for him to have, for him to come back on and uh, appreciate y'all coming out. We do this uh, every Monday, Thursday, ladies night this Thursday. Don't miss out. Uh, we appreciate y'all coming out. Make sure Chantel, you get there for ladies night this Thursday. You can help out Sharonda, drop some, drop some dope game. Uh, Sharonda sure. is, yeah, Sharonda is awesome. Uh, Sharonda wants to head up a, a kids program too for kids education as well. So really, yes, that's what I do too. I teach them financial yeah. literacy. So like, oh dope! That's I it. got my little queen in the car right now. She's yes. listening. I teach kids yeah. financial literacy, so definitely see. Yeah. I'm telling you, universe, universe. All right, that's how it works. See, so we're, we're, we're the the hive, the hive mind, and its people are doing a lot of things, and we're trying to make a lot of change happen in the world. So, 
we would definitely appreciate all the people that are that come out to help out and and just to bring in their own knowledge and information and their time we appreciate everybody so uh definitely definitely uh stay in contact and uh we'll see you all next time all right y'all have a good day